0: Welcome to the ex Field Resource Podcast with Reed Stiles. I formerly worked as a reservoir engineer for a large exploration and production company, and in 2017, I transitioned my career to a financial technology startup and then on to an investment company. I'm fascinated by people that took their experience in the oil and gas industry and successfully applied their specialties to other careers and industries. I'm interviewing ex-oilfield professionals with the intention of sharing their stories, to inspire others, and to explore new careers. Today, I'm speaking with Tyler Tresser. He was an offshore mudlogger with Schlumberger and is now a sales engineer with a software company based in San Francisco. I'd like to set the stage for our listeners, Tyler. So welcome to the show, and can you start off by just telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks, Reed. I'm happy to be on the podcast today. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and after graduating high school, I went to school at Penn State, where I first found an interest in geology, and therefore eventually learned more about the oil and gas industry in general. Um, so after graduating Penn State, I then pursued my career in oil and gas where I got that my logging offshore job with Summer Day.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, are there any other things like, what do you like to do in your spare time? I see a bicycle in the background. Do you have any hobbies or cool interests?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say it's almost to a fault. I have almost too many hobbies. Uh, I'm really into guitar, photography, uh, biking. I, I tried to sign up for a half Ironman that was supposed to be in a week, but due to all this COVID stuff, it got it got canceled. I just bought a video game system over this COVID stuff, so I've been playing more video games. Really, really anything. I, I also love cooking. So,
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's great. So, can you take us back to you mentioned Penn State geoscience? Can you take us back to what was going on in 2015 when you graduated? How did you land on oil and gas, and like, what was your career aspiration at that time? I first
1: was interested in oil and gas because coming from Western PA, Marcellus Shale had boomed when I was in high school. So I met a really close friend of mine at Penn State who was also studying geoscience, and his dad was a petroleum engineer at uh, BP. And he started telling me about the benefits of the industry, some of the cool facts, just especially as a geologist, how you can be outside. And uh, I just was really fascinated from the get-go. So around 2015, oil was starting to tank actually. And um, I remember it was a struggle for a lot of my classmates to get their first job in the industry. So I felt very fortunate that I was able to get that mud logging position offshore. But I also went into it knowing that ultimately my long-term goal would be to go back to school, get my master's degree in geology, and then hopefully one day just be a full-fledged petroleum geologist.
0: And as we know, that's that's not always how things work out. Uh, I, I had the similar thing. You know, my thought was, oh, I'll go to Phillips because it's a big company with a lot of international opportunities. And I'll get to go to all these cool exotic places, be an expat. And then as soon as I started, they said, we're doubling down on lower 48. So enjoy Houston, Midland. And I can totally relate to that. Not everything works out the way you plan. You're a mud logger. You're working offshore. Can you explain what the work environment was like? Like, what was your daily job like?
1: Daily job, I was working usually five to seven weeks, uh, hitches, 12 hour shifts, seven days a week, like most of those offshore guys. And um, daily job consisted of really two main separate objectives. The first of that was to be more of an assistant geologist, where I was collecting rock cuttings from the bottom of the well. I'd clean those cuttings, I'd analyze them and, and log them. And then the second part of the job was to be more of a safety technical analyst, where our team was analyzing different attributes from the bottom of the well, making sure things like a, like a kick doesn't occur.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I mean, you were on the front lines of all this. You were uh, where were you? Where were you based out of at this time?
1: I was in the Gulf of Mexico for the first half of my time at Schlumberger. I was still working at, or living at home in Pittsburgh, so my commutes were pretty brutal. I was flying to Chicago, then Chicago to New Orleans. They put me in a hotel and then have a van pick me up at three in the morning to drive me to Puma, I'm pronouncing that correctly, in southern Louisiana. And then they'd pick me up in a helicopter and fly me an hour and a half out to the rig, which was brutal because sometimes after that long, up to 18 hour commute, I would then land on the rig and have to do a 12 hour shift. And those are some of the most exhausting days of my life, just being completely out of it.
0: Wow. And I can imagine as a fresh grad, you know, as, as a grad for me, I, you know, just worked the typical, you know, eight to five job and you got fully immersed in that new role. It's so cool. I know there's kind of some, some crazy stuff that was happening around your time when you left the oil field. They had moved you, right, to New Orleans. So can you kind of take us back to that moment? What was going on when you, the instance that you left the oil field?
1: Yeah, that was that was a very surreal feeling. I set my bags down in New Orleans, my, my final bags. I didn't unpack them, literally. And then I went to go on my hitch offshore, and it was a shorter hitch than normal because I... And, Two weeks in, I got called to fly into Houston, which was definitely a death sentence, and I got laid off. And I, I just had a whirlwind of emotions and thoughts coursing through my head. On in one instance, I was really excited. I got all my stuff moved down to New Orleans for free, and it's an it was an interesting city. I, I mentioned I love music and food, so I was looking forward to that. But I also didn't have a job, and uh, I, I got a severance package, but it, it was it was pretty thin. I think if that would happen today, I would be a lot more panicked than I was at 22. The very first thought was, How's, how am I going to pay rent and, with, without diving into my savings? My first job was actually working as a line cook at a Japanese restaurant in the city, which I had no experience doing, but I just loved food. And coming from the oil rig, I, I knew I wasn't going to go back into oil and gas. I did that temporarily, just maybe even flirting with the idea of maybe go, <laughs> going to be a chef or something. But I quickly realized that's that's not what I wanted to do. And I had been learning programming for a while and just little tidbits of the software industry for a while. So that ultimately was my goal. And my days were split up between working at the restaurant, taking online courses for hours at a local cafe, and then also applying aggressively to every single job in New Orleans that even slightly resembled... A software job. Eventually, I ended up getting very lucky and I got this job that's a perfect combination of where I was and where I wanted to go. And it was an oil and gas startup that sold software to landmen in mostly Oklahoma and Texas. So they hired me on the spot because of my oil and gas experience. It was a very low paying, part time business development representative job where I was making cold calls to petroleum engineers and also they would teach me software on the side. So it was a a great step into the direction I wanted to go.
0: Yeah, thanks for walking us through that. Can you give any details about what qualified you for that job specifically or how could someone else maybe find a job like that?
1: What qualified me for that job was, one, they had just gone through a, a lot of layoffs themselves. And they had no one making cold calls or prospecting for their software. Two, I was kind of in a desperate situation, so they could pay me relatively low amounts, but they would offer me the insights in terms of learning more about the software industry. So I was working with really smart and experienced software engineers and project managers. And I would just ask them questions and they were happy to help me out. They weren't paying me that much. So for me, I would say the recommendation was what really helped me was my passion to move forward. And then also my willingness to take a little bit of a cut now because I saw in the long run, this would benefit me in the future.
0: I think that's what a lot of people are going to end up seeing is they either have to spend, you know, six to 12 months really learning something new through like a data science course or marketing or coding or something different, or they have to go in a little bit lower entry level position to really learn the craft and get up to speed again. I think it's really hard to say, oh, I'm a 10 year reservoir engineer and I'm just going to go in and be a 10 year something else. I think that's really smart of you to think, look at this as more of an internship, like a learning experience, getting your foot in the door. What are some skills that you picked up from this job that helped you transition to the next job?
1: The main two skills I got were tenacity because I had to make the, these cold calling to prospects, across the country and I'd never done that before. I, they also didn't really train me on how to cold call. So I was looking up YouTube videos and like listening to pump up music before I'd make these cold calls. And I was in this skyrise in downtown New Orleans overlooking the French Quarter making these personal calls on my cell phone. So it was just kind of a ridiculous scene. That was one of the biggest skills. And then the other one was I, I was also really focusing on learning more about databases and the programming language SQL, which I actually leveraged that to get my next job, uh,
0: which was in Boston. All right, so take us there. So you're you're in New Orleans, you're early 20s, you're living it up. You've got you're starting to learn things, you're getting connections. What made you want to be a sales engineer? Like how would you find this? And then what was your next step?
1: I had spent a lot of time, as mentioned, just applying the jobs. But I also spent time thinking about where I wanted to take my career path. And I can actually picture myself sitting at my kitchen table in New Orleans, laptop opened, and I had this diagram of different jobs in software that weren't necessarily becoming a developer because I didn't really see myself going that route. And sales engineer was one of them. And it seemed like the perfect mix for me. It was, it was a little bit salesy in the fact that you're you're actually selling this software, but you're able to solve problems in the background and, and you're helping uh, the prospect figure out how you can use your solution in the best manner. That sounded perfect for me. It's a, it's a great mix. So from there, I stepped and I was like, okay, well, most of those jobs require three to five years of experience to get entry, and I have absolutely zero. So from there, I backpedaled, and a few of the first level options were consultant-type jobs or jobs in technical support that's where i focused my like applying to so to those type of support roles and that's ultimately the job i got in boston was a a technical support engineer where i was learning more technical chops to then utilize for this sales engineer job eventually
0: so how did you find this boston job specifically i know a lot of people use linkedin indeed monster kind of what what did what worked for you
1: for me it was especially at that stage it was more of just blasting out quality messages, but across all of the different platforms. I used LinkedIn, Glassdoor, Indeed, Craigslist. I don't think I ever used Monster, but pretty much every other one out, out there, I, I definitely at least took a crack at at some point.
0: So do you have any tips or tricks? If you, if you had to go through it all again, Like, where would you double down and focus on?
1: A few main tips and tricks I would say is one, stay organized. I was sending out way too many messages without keeping track of those messages. And the reason why you want to stay organized is if you have it in the spreadsheet, like Excel or something, you can put the dates of when you send out those messages. And I'd say it's always important to be tenacious, and maybe I learned that in the cold calling job, but to follow up days later, because I, I, I've gotten multiple offers from follow-ups and not necessarily that first job that I sent out. One, send it, don't, have any, don't just focus on Monster.com or Craigslist. Send them out across everything. And then also... Um, be organized and then the last thing I'll mention is don't confine yourself to what you think you're qualified for necessarily look at the skill set think if you have any of those skills in general maybe you didn't do it in the exact job but if it can kind of relate and you can talk about it then apply to that job it's also it's it's all about the story you build about where you came from and how you got there less so than like the bullet point skills that that you
0: did one of my past interviews with Hudson Chen, who's a recruiter, he really echoed that inv- taking an inventory of your skills and really looking at ways that you can slot those skills into a job description. I love how you described it in that it's not that you're just a geologist, you're a person that takes data and, you know, bridges the gap between what a manager wants to see and the data you're seeing on the screen, for instance. Or you're not just a cold caller for a software company. You're someone that called someone and found what their problem was and tried to fit a software solution to it. Thanks for walking me through that. So you're in Boston. You're getting closer, I can tell. Like you're, you're almost to this next role. So what did you pick up in the Boston job that really gave you that three to five years of experience that you talked about to get you into the sales engineering job?
1: Great question. So the Boston job was a lot more technical, and that is what I was looking for for that, that middle step. I learned a ton about the software industry in general. I made sure that any opportunity for additional learning, I could, I could take up on that. A lot of software companies offer free educational courses, or at least give you a stipend to take advantage of that. And I, and I certainly did. So I took classes in general about networking and then also public speaking. So just to be able to I- improve those skills. And from there, I showed an interest that I wanted to get into sales engineering It didn't ultimately work out at that company, but I was always just looking ways to push the envelope in that sense. And I'd also occasionally scope out sales engineering job positions and look at what skills and what technologies are needed for those jobs. So then I'd make sure to focus on those and learn a little bit about those so I can at least talk to them in interviews.
0: So let's kind of start from the top. So how did you find the sales job, the sales engineering job, and why did you pick the West Coast?
1: I found this sales engineering job because my brother, one, has lived out in San Francisco for a while, so I decided I want to move out there as well and experience experience that. My girlfriend and I, who are living in Boston, decided that was the time to move out to Boston. So my focus was in San Francisco, and I used the same techniques that I learned, and eventually I I was more organized about it. I found this position specifically on Glassdoor. I applied to it in March of 2018, and... I got a few rounds in and then ultimately they said they hired someone else and I didn't get that job. So I was, a, I was a little let down. I ended up actually getting another sales engineering job in Boston that wasn't ideal. It was kind of like a, a little a one year blip of that sales engineering job. It wasn't what I wanted in the sense that I wasn't really salesy and it was more project oriented but I did that for a year and then I used those light skills to apply into a much more difficult market of San Francisco. Talked about how I was client facing, uh, talked about the solutioning skills I got from that. And then when I applied for the second time in May of 2019, I got the fir- my first round interview at Brace where I felt, okay, I'm actually really interested in that.
0: Man, what a journey! It's so cool. I, I love how it's you basically started bottom of the rung as a mudlogger. Kind of got knocked down a little bit and just kept working your way up to the top. It's so cool, man, that you've been able to kind of break it down to in more of a formulaic form for people. there are a lot of people out there that need to hear this. And let's switch gears slightly. So we talked about tips for jobs. What about tips for cold calling? I've done it before. We kinda we were kind of cold called together in a way using Reddit. Like what are your tips and tricks for that?
1: first thing to think about is that it's a hard job and almost no one likes cold calling. It's difficult, but it's extremely valuable. And as you're actually pushing yourself to keep doing it, you do start to get better and better and it becomes easier to pick up the phone. Number two is what you said. It's it's resilience. It's that tenacity to just keep going and just doing it, even though you know you don't feel like doing it. And then other than that, it's it's just about being comfortable and not everyone's going to like when you cold calling out of nowhere. But that's okay. It's 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 your job and you just got to keep doing it.
0: Let's talk more about the actual sales engineering job. Are there other examples you can think of of people in the oil and gas space that would make good sales engineers?
1: I would say anyone that had to do any sort of selling at all, even if it's not you're not physically selling a product, but you're just talking to people and you're selling an idea or anything like that is a valuable role that could potentially move into sales engineering or anything on the sales side of things. So it's, it's very flexible. It's more about your desire to learn the technical aspects and you also are comfortable it, it, within that sales environment. So if, if you've also are capable of learning stuff or you're interested in learning certain technologies, then it, it's that middle combination of those two
0: skill sets. What are some other resources you'd recommend to people that might help with their career search or just in general?
1: Reddit was huge for me when I was in the process of getting laid off, when I was deciding what I wanted to do next, and, and still I see good advice being posted there often. So the two ones are oil and gas workers, and then the other one is geology careers for those geologists out there. Other than that, I used as many different resources as possible, and some fell flat for me personally, but I know that they're successful out there. Some of those are, I'll start off with the more software-oriented ones which were Code Academy. I I learned or taught me a lot about just basic coding skills. Uh, There's one called the Odin Project, which is really good for web development. Also LinkedIn Learning, which used to be lynda.com is really affordable and teaches you those base skills. And if you're focused enough, you can at least get to the point where you can interview for those skills and you can start building mini projects. Other than that, youtube in general and like khan academy are just full of information it's about figuring out where you want to go first then establishing what skill sets you need to get to get to that goal and then from there the resources are out there it's just a matter of googling
0: it before we kind of wrap things up let's do a little thought exercise um you're tyler you're laid out you're a geologist today or a mud logger. And you're laid off today. What are your first five days look like in preparing for transitioning to a new job? You know, having all the knowledge that you have now and having all those resources handy.
1: Day one is decompressing and realizing that my life is not over. Um, It's going to be completely fine. Uh, There's a million things out there in the world. And your job really should not be the number one thing in terms of like your overall happiness. You're going to be fine. So day one, relax, take a deep breath. Day two, it's going to start to be thinking about where you want to go. What do I want to do next, and what do I want to do with my life? And that should take a lot of time. You should really think about that before you start diving into other things because I know I, for one, have spent way too much time in the past aimlessly going down those Google wormholes of like learning specific skills that maybe weren't the most relevant. So that's the most important, establishing where you want to go. And then from there, it's weeding into, like, what skill sets you need, and then what resources you're going to need from there. And I'd say around day four or five, it's about maybe tuning up your resume, seeing where you could potentially go, and then ultimately starting that journey of learning to get to your next step in your life and career.
0: And the first one you forgot was uh, subscribe to the XOilfield podcast and, uh, (laughs) and iTunes and Spotify. No, that's a great list. Thank you for walking us through that. Can you think of any sales experiences or any deals that you did that you really learned a lot from and reflecting back on? You're like, man, that made a big impact on me.
1: Especially not coming from the sales world, a lot of this is still pretty new for me. And I would say the biggest hurdle in general was for me to get that that confidence up to actually sell in this professional pressured environment. One of the first times I felt more relaxed going into the meeting and I was I was less of my professional self the deal went extremely well and i from there i took that personal learning of being more of myself i still have the knowledge i'm still there to sell but being my personal self and making that connection on a human level was more important than putting up this front of this this salesman
0: can you think of anything specific from that experience that kind of like made that experience different from previous ones or something you did differently or something someone said or
1: The the real difference was I was joking along with the people in the room themselves. I was way less rigid, and therefore my entire presentation was more fluid. The conversations before and after the presentation were fluid, and therefore the rest of our, our conversations throughout the rest of the deal cycle were so much more relaxed
0: that just points to you got to get your reps in and you got to be willing to throw yourself out there and especially with this podcast i got warmed up just talking to people on reddit people are willing to give me their phone numbers and talk to me and you know, at first I didn't want to do it. It's like, oh, I want to, I want all this knowledge without having to actually call these people and talk to them and and really put myself out there. But what I realized is there's so many people that are not only willing to share their stories, but they see the value because someone down the line, whether they knew it or not, kind of did the same for them. And so, yeah, that's awesome that it kind of clicked for you during that one sale that, you know, this is kind of just hanging out with people and trying to solve their problems. Before we wrap it up, I mean, is there an ask that you have? If someone has a question specifically about sales engineering, where can they reach out to you?
1: They can definitely reach out to me and I encourage them to do so either on LinkedIn, which name's Tyler Tresser, last name T-R-E-S-E-R. And then my Gmail is tylertresser at gmail.com.
0: Awesome. And we'll definitely have those links in the show notes. So thank you for joining me on the X Oilfield podcast. If you really enjoyed it, found this talk with Tyler valuable, consider rating the podcast five stars and writing a quick review in iTunes and Spotify. It'll really help out the show. And finally, if you know someone that would be a great interview for the podcast, please reach out. That's read at xoilfield.com. And I just want to say thanks again, Tyler. Hopefully this is not the last time we speak on this subject because I know that you're going to have more great sales conversations, tips and tricks to deliver. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks you so much. Good luck to you and good luck to everyone that's listening to this podcast.